Hey everybody and welcome to episode 109 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys and girls, welcome back. We had a little week off last week. I was just changing my internet servers and things around, which was a bit of a pain in the bum, but it's all done now and we'll be back with some awesome episodes for you uh, starting today. But before we get into that, I um, just want to say, you know, I put a little post out the other day, I've actually completed my book, The Three Secrets to Health and uh, and the audio book, and that will be going out very soon. Just got to type a few loose ends cross it dot a few i's cross a few t's for example and then that'll be out to you so i'm really looking forward to getting that out to you and you've been able to enjoy it and understanding or say understanding or getting some feedback and i think it'd be a book that i can expand on well maybe just add some bits to it or do another one i don't know yet we'll see uh, as always guys and girls um gonna be adding stuff to our shop i keep promising it i'm adding a few bits and pieces here and there um i'm just uh just going, um, oh, just just trying to make it a, a little bit better for you. Actually, I'm trying to see how we can do that, um, make it make it easier for, to buy stuff. Um, but if you do head over to www.reviveyourself.co, got all our articles on there, all our podcasts, our free 40 mini course, and also our shop, which has got some of the best health supplements on the planet. You know, I wouldn't recommend anything to you guys and girls that I wouldn't take myself. It's all of it, it's organic, all of it's wildcrafted and fermented, and it comes from the best places on the planet. And if you're looking for a, a phenomenal all in one, then you can't go much. Uh, well, you can't go wrong with Living Fuel. It's the best all-in-one product on the planet, in my opinion. Um, it's phenomenal. The, the super greens and super berry. Also got probiotics, milk thistle for your liver. Um, I mean, the teas, everything on there, you know, immune-boosting superfoods. Uh, and we've got our um, whole house auto filtration systems from Aquatea. If you haven't got your house filtered at the mains, it's something I definitely recommend that you do. And we've got options for one, two, three, and four bedroom houses there, as well as soft and hard water. Um, we've also got our EMF frequency blocking devices from Aries Tech, which is phenomenal. Um, and uh, also, if you head over to Blue Blocks, www.blu blox.com you can get your blue blocking glasses blue light blocking glasses red lenses for the evening and the white lenses for the day if you're using the screen a lot it'll be really really phenomenal because you don't want that artificial blue light coming in and affecting your your body as well and you put in the code revive you get 10% off there and it's the same as as well if you head on over to www.essentialoilwizardry.com for the best essential oils on the planet from Dr. Nick Berry. If you put in the code REVIVE in small letters, small letters there, so REVIVE in small letters, you'll get 10% off your order. And they are, without a doubt, the best essential oils on the planet, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, that's all wrapped up. We've got a few other things coming up. Um, just continue to work on things. But 
As for today's episode, we have got a great one with you. It's uh, with Thomas Joseph, who is a, a butcher and a farmer at Coxley Green Farm in Brentwood in Essex. I actually came across his farmer when I was in one of the, uh, the markets in London, uh, Vicky Park Market, um, and talking to a guy who's doing a bone broth, uh, spring broth, I think it is, uh, Tom there as well. I'm going to try and get him on the show. And I said, where, where else is it stocked? And he said, oh, there's a farm in Brentwood. I said, that's just down the road from me. I uh, couldn't believe it. Went down there and come across uh, Thomas and his farm. And, you know, I was pulled up and I was like, yes, this is what a farm's meant to be. The lambs are out. The cows are out. They're chewing their cud. Then I learned that it, it was a pasture for life farm. Never had a herb or herbicide or pesticide spread in the farm. So like, this is what it's all about. And he's also doing some stuff online as well. So he's able to get all the produce um, wherever you are. So anyway, so we have a, actually, as soon as I started talking to him, I knew that we'd be getting on. And he had a, he was just very, very passionate about what he was doing. And it's really, really refreshing to see someone young. You know, he's 28 years old. I'm 33, and I was like, well, he's like my age. I mean, almost a little bit older, but so like, this is going to be great. So I build a relationship with him, and I know he's going to be the guy to get my meat off from from now on. So without further ado, here's Thomas. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. So we can just we can just go. We can just have a chat. We're ready to go. We're ready to go, mate. Just put the keys, mate. Right? <laughs> uh, phone's on silent. Oh, yeah, the phone's on silent. Phone's on silent. Needs to be go. Yeah, phone needs to be on silent. But yeah, so Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. No worries, it's been. Uh, yeah, it's been. Uh, we just showed me around your farm. We just showed me around Coxley Green Farm. Yep. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous farm. Lovely weather out there, actually. And um, showed me your cows, lambs, pigs out there. It was uh, lovely to be able to go and actually see like a, a working farm, somewhere that actually has high quality, mm. high quality animals, and actually speak to. Farmer, the butcher as well, and um, it's uh, something that most people don't get to experience. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think you get enough of that kind of stuff. You don't get educated in that way. Um, a lot of people don't even know where their food comes from, what animal it's from, where different cuts come from. Um, I mean, I guess to think that I'm doing this uh, 12 months on from leaving like, my role in investment banking is a bit kind of hilarious to some extent, but it's, it's great all the same. But you know, when I started the butchery business, um, you know, using my parents' farm as a platform, that's one of the biggest things that we always wanted to eventually do was the education. Um, as much as it is nice selling great quality produce to people that know about it, um, there's another world out there that doesn't know about it. There's a world out there that don't get the access to it. They kind of, I think a lot of people don't actually think they can afford some of the stuff that we do, which is actually wrong. You know, they can if you just ask and if you just inquire or just get taught the right way. So that really starts at school, though. You know, you've got to come up with this idea that eating ethically raised meat and eating ethical produce is the only way to go. Um, but you don't always get the opportunity to even see that side of things. So for me, um, definitely one thing we'd love to do is do more of what we did earlier. You know, just going around, walking around uh, peaceful surroundings, seeing a real farm, seeing things done right. Um, it's just a, a kind of breath of fresh air. You know, without trying to sound cliche, no, it, it is. It, it is actually a breath of fresh air. It is a breath of fresh air. What you said there as well, it's like people, because like for me, I get exactly the same. Because I'm always saying that I'm, I'm a, I talk to people who live like the selfie lifestyle. I surround myself around that. I always think, oh, people must know now, but there's still so many people out there that just don't know. Um, mm, because definitely. I didn't know until I got ill. Um, that 
guys who think calories in, calories out, it's all that matters. As long as you're working out, you're burning off stuff. We didn't talk about the quality of the food, and we'll, we'll get into the quality of the food and, and the different types of farming. I mean, we're, we're going, I mean, just quickly, you said, uh, you know, it's, it's the food here, it's, it's, it's higher than organic, right? It's um, mm. pasture for life. Yeah, so the, the farm is Pasture for Life certified. Pasture for Life governs um, beef and lamb. So basically, it's um, another principle, sort of a uh, governing body that runs it, um, similar to what organic and free soil association. Is. Yeah, so the soil association, organic, that that is one particular body. Yeah, body basically. But the problem with those kind of things is that they've become labels in supermarkets. They, yeah, they've gone away from what they really were trying to do because they've got so big. And then they get influenced by the people behind them. And then when you look at it, actually, what does free range really mean? What does organic really mean? Um, so as a kind of comparison, pasture for life means it's really the only guarantee that an animal uh, from that farm has actually been given grass or its natural diet its entire life and been outside. The other kind of um, bodies, they don't really guarantee that because within the laws, uh, you can obviously feed a certain percentage every year of grain that's brought in. You can also house. Um, and we're not saying that you shouldn't house animals during a winter or during a period where they've not got a good condition. But I think the free range particularly gets abused to some extent. You know? Yeah, I know, free range. So yeah. free range is like access to yeah. outside. Well, so I mean, for things, uh, certain products are called organic. They have to want to have one organic compound in them to be organic, whereas like... So I think there used to be three organic certifications as well over here. Soil Association, Organic Farmers, Growers and Farmers, and there was one of them, maybe the Welsh one. Um, now there's seven. Uh, and, and in America there used to be seven, now there's 99. And these come, I've talked about it before. They do these studies and say, oh, the organic food is no different to non-organic food. It's like, yeah, because Mars Bar and Coca-Cola have just bought these organic certifications and yeah. they're just testing against them. For, they're, they're just testing their non-organic food versus their organic quote unquote food in a sense the same thing we want to get into that but first of all what you just said uh, a minute ago about 12 months ago what you were doing and, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and now and now where you are so so, so I mean the last 12 months has been a big turnaround for you right what was what was uh, I mean yeah tell people what, what your journey was like how did you get into this and what were you doing before yeah so um, so I was working in Canary Wharf um, for an investment bank um, I was Fast. in, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was in a position I didn't, I, I didn't really, um, I wasn't really enjoying. So to give you kind of a little backdrop into that, I went to uni and, um, I started the career I always wanted, which was trade in the stock market. So I started that down in Bournemouth. Um, I lived the dream genuinely for two and a half, three years because what person wouldn't want me trading the stock market living in Bournemouth with a beach, you know, it was just fantastic. And I had a very good work life balance and it was stressful, but it was enjoyable and it kind of was paying off. Um, it wasn't going as well as I wanted it to. I wasn't making enough money out of it. I know it sounds stupid, but it was actually costing me a little bit in the second year I was doing it. And by the third year, I thought, well, I should probably go and look at a job doing what I'm doing instead of having this kind of all on my shoulders. Um, starting a business straight out of uni is, is a hard kind of thing to do. Um, anyways, I went into oil, went into a company trading oil um, and just couldn't get along with working in the company like that. It just was a real boiler room kind of place. And I just couldn't see why anyone want their life to be that way you know regardless of what you got paid regardless of what you made i didn't want to just kind of be treated like crap by people and then treat others like crap and it just was a vicious cycle got the opportunity to go to a, you know the world's biggest investment bank jp morgan and um when i got there as much as it was a, a, a breath of fresh air again um it it just wasn't fulfilling like i just had no purpose i was doing a, a job that i didn't want to do i was crunching numbers i was doing two people's roles I kind of got a bit lied to about how much work I was going to be doing, staying till nine, three times a week. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't being paid like that 
really that much of what I was actually doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, when you look at when you broke it down, like per I'm hour, my twelve hour days. Yeah, yeah. When you break it down per hour, it's amazing how yeah. these things that it seems like big sorry when you break it down. No, and um, the biggest problem was that you know we're all chasing chasing that cherry, that, that that ridiculous cherry of money, and it's no, there's nothing else apart from money, you know, because you're not aiding anyone's life, you're not giving anyone anything, you're not doing anything good even for yourself, really, apart from trying to get above someone else. That's not what we were designed for, you know. And, and I got to that point by doing a lot of research and listening to books. You know, I think the, the best book that um, that got me to think like that was Tim Ferriss's one where um, the four hour work well, week. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, what am I doing? You know, what's the point in me doing any of this if it amounts to nothing at the end of it? It's so, uh, it's a, there's a little clip I'm going to show you. I'm going to put it up. There's a little clip as um, one of the guys I've interviewed, Jason Christoph, has got a great little clip about so it's a rat, especially in the rat race, and how the way that it's, it's a six minute clip and it just. And I, I was saying to people, you'd have to pay me 500 grand minimum to get on that train in the morning. And I just had this realisation one day, I was sitting there, or I think I was walking into work, and um, I just said, like, I'm not going to let the next 20 years of my life, you know, which should be the best 20 years of my life, be dictated by these four walls. Well, you're young, right? Out. You're 28. Yeah, I was young. I didn't have a mortgage. I had uh, the ability to leave, and I took that opportunity to do so. Um, so I traded literally day one. I traded um, my suit and my, my, I guess, my investment banking title for a pair of jogging bottoms um, and a T-shirt and got up a loft clearing out you know, my parents' old house. Um, they had it to sell. They'd had it to sell for a long time. You know, we'd all lived there as kids, you know, for 20-odd years, yeah. And, the house um, we're in now. Yeah, the house we're sitting in now, which yeah. is sold. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, it was it was so amazing. that I got to put my, my earphones in and listen to a podcast about, you know, what I wanted to do and just have a think. And, you know, obviously I had no money, but at the same time I had my own freedom back. I had, like, just the ability to think outside the box of Jake Morgan's Four Walls, you know. Um, and think, you know, that actually I can do anything I want to if I want to put my mind to it and just find something I enjoy. It just so happened my parents had started a farm at the same time and didn't really have a way of them selling their produce or really a plan for where they wanted it to go or what they wanted to achieve out of it. So I guess it was, you know, I do genuinely think like the universe brought us together at that point because it was so, it could, it was so coincidental, you know, how could I have traded in my love for my, for me basically and my passion for good food with someone who needed someone to actually be doing that for them. You know, yeah. it was just right time, right place. Um, but it moved on a lot from there. You know, it started off with being involved in a little bit with the farming, being involved with a little bit of the work, then being involved with the butchery. Um, and then it became apparent that, like, you know, if we want to make something out of it, you can't do this with just your own farm. We haven't got the acreage. We haven't got the animals. My parents haven't got the desire. So I had to think about how I could make a butchery work sourcing properly from other places as well, which is a lot harder than you think. You know, ethical produce is, a, a, I guess, a, an expensive commodity, but also slightly rare in the sense of, like, it doesn't come around everywhere. So just went about developing those relationships with people. Um, I spent some time up in Liverpool with a guy who runs a company called Edge & Sons, um, Callum there. He taught me some butchery. I spent some time in his abattoir, then became my kind of first wholesale contact of where I, could, I knew I could get trusted produce from. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. You know, we started in a room which can only have been maybe 10 metres by maybe 7 metres by sort of 3 or 4 metres. Um, it had eight freezers in it. I bought a fridge which cost like 400 quid. Um, it went down to zero, so I started dry-aging stuff in there. And I just basic, basically kind of got my experience through trying and doing and eating stuff and cutting stuff for people and doing it wrong. You know, when I first started, we didn't have a shop. We had the back door of a cold store, you know. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a cold store. It was the back door of a cold room which had freezers in it. And I was getting people in through the gates 
they're driving their cars and parking outside and you know it's hilarious when you think back to how did you market at the time um everything was through instagram yeah yeah 100% of the sales were through instagram because um it was the only way of really getting out like what your message was and, and being behind it. And, you know, I, I personally took myself off of Instagram because I wasn't using it efficiently and yeah. or effectively. It was just costing me hours of my life, which yeah. I didn't want to give away anymore. So when I realized like it was important, I kind of had to bite the bullet and get on with the business. But don't get me wrong, it's the best thing I ever made because it just was such a good outlet for what we were trying yeah, yeah. to do. Um, because you do, you have people who are looking at you and they know it's actually you and they can see what you're doing and they don't think you're a big company because they actually see it's you, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, well, so it's funny because I only come across you guys because I was, sometimes I like to go into the markets in London or I was in um, right. Victoria Park, uh, Vicky Park Market and just, but because I have an, a, uh, always had like, um, big on bone broth so I used to use Osa bone broth I know Catherine Farron very well and then come across um, Spring oh Spring yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Pryor yeah but is, is it just Spring I'm Spring trying, broth I think. Spring broth yeah and, yeah, and Tom and I come across him that's right I come across <laughs> him um, in the Vicky Park and just had a little chat with him and talked about his bone broth and stuff and I was like where are you based and he's like I'm based in Chelmsford I was like cool and he was like I was like well, did anyone else sell it near you and he's like oh we've got a farm in uh, Brentwood that sells it Coxley Green Farm and I was like Where's that? Because there was a farm we used to go down the road, French's farm. And he told me where it was, and I was like, right, I'm going to have a look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, I just pulled in one day, didn't I? And I said, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. we ended up having a chat for about an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's so refreshing to meet some, basically, my, well, a bit older than you, five years, but like someone young who's actually really passionate about it, wants to do it really well, and and he's actually like got a, a thirst for knowledge, wants to just make high quality. For, I mean, from, from me, you know, getting somewhere local, I've been buying stuff, and you don't know if you can really. You, I can trust certain things that come from far away, but I don't want to be buying. I'd rather drive and have have like local produce from someone I know than buy it from like I don't know. Same with organic veg, like Riverford or something like that. I'd rather buy it local hmm. and speak to someone and actually know the person. I mean, supporting local farmers is the only way we're going to get anywhere. Oh, I completely um, agree. And so, hundred percent. So that was just like from connections. And but when I first connected to you, or I first looked at what you were about that was on Instagram mm. and he was like oh because I said to him how do you spell that Coxty it's a bit weird I didn't know <laughs> and um, he just showed me and I followed yeah, it yeah. and that was how I come up and so it, I mean it, it gave me a good insight into it and it is mm. what is your Instagram uh, Coxty Green Farm just that's one word and cool. then the butchery is thomas.joseph.butchery right yeah um, but it's so so powerful you know like it's changed the world that we or it's changed the way we perceive the world mm. you know, particularly for marketing and advertising because you know, if you've got a few hundred thousand followers, you can name your kind of price. If you've got the right kind of market and someone with a product wants you, you know, you to show that to your followers. But um, it, 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 one, it's free. Yeah. And, and, and secondly, it's, it's an actual photo which people can go and relate back to again. So it's not like it's there and then it's gone. It's not a flyer. You don't throw it in the bin. It's on your phone. It's a car. It's classy. Yeah, and, and also it's, 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 it's kind of like your, your notebook of yeah, what you're yeah. up to every day. 100%. And um, for, for me, I started... I started the business, um, well, before I actually started the business, I was basically making burgers to sell my parents' meat. Um, I sold that just for them. I wasn't making any money out of it. I was just doing it to help them get rid of, you know, basically a lot of their meat that they had in the freezer. And um, I just realized that if I made these cool burgers and made them look nice and blah, blah, and people would just come around and they did. And that's kind of how it all kind of moved on to becoming a butcher from like experiencing yeah. what it was like to make someone something and, and kind of give someone some quality stuff. And, and I always say like, you know, I would 
be much happier for anyone to support someone local than even to come to me, you know. And that's the kind of business that I want people to to also be involved in. It's not, you know, if someone else up the road starts another place doing high quality meat, same as me, I don't think that's bad. If anything, I think that's good. Not yeah. going, they're not taking my customers. They're just encouraging more people to go and do the same thing. So if we had five places in Brentwood, all the same as us, I can't see that I would lose any money. I can actually just well, see that people will be more aware of what yeah. they're really doing. I mean, that's like people say, oh, it's a saturated market. It's like, well, did, does Rolex stop making watches because Takeo <laughs> makes watches? You know, no. it's the same. Does Prada stop making clothes because you've got boss to make that? Like, no, it's like there's, there's, and also there's, you're going to have your own little take on things exactly. and Saturday. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and um, I 100% agree with it. So it was, um, I mean, it's a lovely farm you've got. The animals look healthier, look phenomenal. And I remember um, when I come the first time, I was like, this is what a farm should look like. And, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and then you're like, um, Come out and you said like that. Neither that the ground hasn't had herbicides or pesticides on it at all. No, no, no. So it was derelict for fifteen years before my parents bought it, um, and then they bought it back sort of eight, nine years ago. Uh, that fifteen years has been quite detrimental to the pasture because I didn't have any animals working over it. Obviously, there was no manure put over it. Mm -hmm. um, there was no fertilizer. There was nothing done on it. We would never put any fertilizer, herbicide, or pesticide out there. It's just not what we believe in. It's not what I ever believe in. You know, I don't ever promote that kind of stuff because of so, the greater effect, not just on your own pasture, yeah. but to the greater world. So why do some farmers say you have to do it? Because they're chasing yield. So they're chasing the yield of their grass. They're chasing the yield of their crops. They're chasing basically the, the money that they want to make out of it, particularly in arable farming. It's a much bigger thing than it is really in your kind of livestock farming. Okay. But, um, I, I mean, that's because that's what they know. You know, and, and, and I... I don't want to say that they don't know what they're doing, but that's what they've learned over the period they've done what they've done. They know what they, they're doing in terms of that. They, yeah. they don't know the other ways that they could be going about things. But, well, yeah, but they also don't know the knock-on effect of what they're really doing. So, you know, if you were able to sit someone down and say, by the way, did you know that what you're spraying has led to X over this many years? Half of those people would probably say, mm, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore, regardless of what my yield is. You know, if you were to tell someone, okay, you probably killed through various illnesses, diseases over this period of time, that's been your contribution, I think a lot of people would probably take a pay cut. You know, or you'd like to think uh, yeah, <laughs> they yeah, might have You're ruining kind of the microbiome of everyone that you come into contact with when you're spraying Roundup over your crops or mm. uh, glyphosate, which is changing everyone's microbiome. And, I mean, other things that they do. I mean, it's just some... I mean, we don't know if America it's whack they do, yeah, but I mean, like... Saying. Yeah, like, you look at those things. But over here, it's... Um, it's amazing when people say certain things. I'm like, yeah, you, yeah. Obviously, it's it's harder, but I mean, your mum said like a minute ago. He said the best herbicide we've got is the, is the lambs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because now, they eat so many of the, the stuff that we don't want. That's just what sheep do. You know, that's clever farming. Putting sheep on on pasture so that then the cattle can chew the good stuff. That's clever farming. You know, but also um, the the thing is that with the fertilizer stuff and, and the pesticides. It's similar to someone saying you can't finish cattle unless you finish one grain. You know, that's what someone does. That's what the majority of people do. A lot of people just feed grain. They don't even feed them grass. But it doesn't mean that you can't do the other thing. It just means you've got to be clever. It just means you've got to look at other ways. It just means you've got to think about what you're doing instead of going, well, that's what we've always done. Well, we're fifth generation farmers. You know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I, I truly think that you, you can't really become kind of like a master of something or... I guess thought-provoking in an area unless you come from outside of it because if you come from outside of it you're looking at everything differently you're not looking at the same so way so strange you just said that mate I listened to um, a podcast today uh, Jim Quick um, 
Jim Quick. Do you know, do you know Jim oh, Quick? Yeah, yeah. yeah, great. So anyone, it was on Mind Pump, and he was talking about that. Like, he, he's a brain guy. He, he got into it because he had the brain didn't work, and <laughs> he talks about the people that make the biggest innovations in companies mm. come from outside the outside that particular yeah, um, yeah. industry. I, I think that must be, it must be true to some extent, right? And the reason I say this is because if you think about farming, if you come with a different way of doing it instead of what your dad and your granddad and blah, blah, has done, then you've got to have more chance of doing something different and that could pay off. And similar to me, like with the business that I've done or, or brought up, if I didn't come at it the way I did, then I wouldn't have a clue what I'm doing. The reason it's working is because I come from a customer's point of view. I was a customer and I was a massive buyer of this particular type of food. So I thought, well, what do I want to see as that kind of customer? And then what do the people around me probably want to see? And you start looking at small niches. You know, in the butchery, we don't just do the kind of native UK stuff. We look for ethically raised stuff from different areas. That could be the Galician stuff. That could be different areas of Yorkshire that's local as well. But we're always trying to promote the different things. You know, one of the biggest things we're doing at the moment is ex-dairy stuff, which is on grass. Um, What's that? What's ex? Ex-dairy. So these are... Ex-dairy. Yeah, so these would be cows that have been retired from dairy. So they'll usually be over five years old. Again, no one told me to go and do that. But I just thought, well... What's different? Yeah, what's, what's, what, what's someone not doing? Well, they're just retired. They've just been worked and then they've left basically as a kind of residual product to the dairy industry, which is horrible, right? But if you can make a sustainable thing, which is then having a purpose for that cow, as in you retire them for a year to 18 months, make sure they get a good amount of feed, grass-based, and then take them to slaughter, that's some of the best meat that we've ever had. You know, that's some of the most crazy marble stuff and, and really, really eye-catching meat that we've ever seen, and that comes from a residual product. It's a bit like the boxing... Um, it's a bit like the boxing when they say oh, we continue to do it this way because it's the way we've always done it and mm. uh, I look at certain industries I mean the amount of food the farmers industry throws away because it doesn't look right for example yeah, yeah, exactly. it's just bonkers yeah. and that's, it makes sense it's like it makes sense why are you throwing that why aren't they using them for, for food like wasting it's ridiculous right mm. um it's so when you come so I mean, you, you, you don't do dairy on your farm right you just no we don't do any dairy no it's just livestock so we do cattle sheep pigs uh we do turkeys at christmas but they're always for friends they're already done every year so i don't know if you much about um so if people have this idea just i don't know if you've got um much knowledge on this but you may do uh, just asking um people think that jersey cows give the best milk now, I had Mark McAfee on from Organic Pastures. I don't know if you know Mark McAfee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he said, that's nonsense. It, like, all different cows are better at producing different types of milk, or they produce, um, some are, will be able to produce a certain amount of milk over a certain period of time, some will be a bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's nonsense. Is this thing about Jersey cows being the best milk? Nonsense. I think, um, I think there's something to it because, um, We've had some stuff from Jersey that's been phenomenal. Yeah. So just from my own yeah. knowledge of, of, of taste so of cream. I, yeah. um, and I don't really drink milk, but I do eat clotted cream and more cream-based stuff. You don't drink raw milk at all? I do when I get it, but yeah. getting hold of it, it seems yeah. to be a real real hardship. Yeah. Um, we have a woman up, um, I can't remember where she's based now, but she's got a company called Smiling Tree Farm. They do A2 milks. We've had that. The cream, it just I mean, to me personally, it tastes like grass. A2 milk and stuff. A2 cream is gra- it's grass. Like, mm. you know, you taste it and you're like, because I've been around cattle for a long while, I know what it's like when I can smell when I'm being next to them. And for me, tasting that cream is like being next to the cow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I actually tasted some of the colostrum off of one of our cows. Uh, the, the calf unfortunately died. We bottled the colostrum, brought it inside, put some ice cubes with it, and you know, drunk it. Like you know, it was it was there. You know, and and uh, it was amazing. It tasted brilliant. Um, but the the Jersey thing, I think some research has been done on it that they are one of the best at making the fat mm. that goes into the milk. Now I, I haven't done tons of it on it myself, but I mean. Some of it's been great. You know, I've had lots of Jersey stuff, and I think it's lovely. But I agree with him on 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 the beef side of things. I agree that everything has something to add. Um, so you've got every, yeah, go on. every 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 cow will have its own characteristics. Whether that is growing a big muscle or a well yeah. marble muscle or a good you know kind of looking carcass, there's always something. And what I've found that I don't ever bring through our shop is the continental stuff. So Limousins, Charolais. Um, Simmentals, they don't really make it for me into the shop because I don't think they have the flavour that you need for me to promote it as such a. But you do like the sim, not Simmental. You do like the Spanish Galician. Galician. Yeah, yeah. So again, the Galician is 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 a is a particular cow from Spain. Um, they're grown to between eight and twelve years old, which is sort of four to six times longer than the average cow commercially in the UK. Mm. Um, They've got the most fantastic flavour, marbling, everything about them. Phenomenal. Never, yeah, just amazing, you know, and they, and they don't call it Spanish Wagyu for nothing, you know. So that makes up a big portion of what we do now. Um, and, and I'm pleased to promote that because I think it's an ethically done, well-raised carcass. Um, it does come from Spain, but there's nowhere else I can get it from. I can't get that from down the road. I can't find that down anywhere in the UK. No, I can and, personally say it's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and, and to me, like... I wanted the butchery to, to, to do ethically raised quality meat, but also source like these high-end things that people just can't get hold of. You know, there are loads of it in restaurants in London, but not everyone wants to go to a restaurant in London. And also, I prefer, I prefer eating at home. Like, yeah, yeah. I, love, I love the fact that, I mean, I'm slightly different to everyone else. You know, I can go outside and cut off whatever I want. But I love the fact that I can have a better meal indoors than I can in a restaurant. And and what nicer thing from your customers like, oh, you know, I prefer just eating in with your steaks because it's better than going out for a meal, yeah. you know, somewhere high end. Um, well, because even high end, you don't know what you're getting. You don't, unless you unless you know the yeah. person who's supplying. Yeah. So luckily, I know a lot of places now where I know who supplies them to. You know, so again, I can always put a list of those together for anyone that's interested because I know I would be interested to actually know where someone that supplies me, as an example, then also supplies restaurants. There's a couple in London, one of them being Lura. Uh, the guy behind the Galician stuff that I work with, he actually runs a company called Lura and they do pretty much solely do Galician beef. Um, it's in West London. Amazing. I'm actually popping down in a couple of weeks. Um, but again, it's, it's finding these little gems of mm. restaurants that do promote this kind of stuff. So what about like the, the Hawksmoors of the world? Um, you know, I, and I've the, been to Hawksmoor yeah. and I know where their suppliers come from. Like We use them for some stuff as well. Um, it just depends on on what Hawksmoor you go to, where, what day it was, you know, where it come from, and and also asking that the the kind of the chef should know. There's no reason why any one person in the world won't know where their beef comes from. So, is one? Have you been to the uh, Bonaire in Broad Broadway Market? No, it's a nice Chilean steak. Okay. If you went from Chilean beef, um, I've been to Gauchos. Um, it was really nice. It was lovely. It was really, really well put together. Nice piece of meat. Um, that was that was it. You know, it was good. Yeah. Love, the wine list is great. But you don't, <laughs> but the you Argentinian, the Argentinian beef is not something really um, that I have thought about even looking at. To be honest with you, 
um, since I started into the Galician, that was kind of the, the be all and end all, you know, as much as I'm still trying other stuff up, uh, trying st- other stuff out, um, it, I just haven't really even thought about yeah, it. Yeah. So it's definitely something I can do at some point, but maybe when we move on, I'm another notch. Yeah. Um, it was just interesting, just thinking about that, actually, I was thinking that what's one of the best takeout restaurants in London that's not like most big fancy posh ones, and mm. one out is up in Broadway Market. I think it's I know what you mean. Phenomenal. It's a little, yeah. little gap, but it's good, and it's just so. Obviously, the Galician and the other one, the other the other meat that you sell, or the other the other um, cows you have are what you sell in the what shop. What we do here, yeah. So we've got our own herd is Pedigree Herefords. Yeah. Um, in the shop, it can be anything really. Well, everyone knows Hereford beef, right? It's what goes on. Yeah, the well, they, they they reckon there's more Hereford beef on people's plates than there is actually walking around. It's getting like Angus now. Really, you know. So you know, back in the day when Black Angus became a thing, there was actually more beef called Black Angus than there was beef actually being black Angus oh, as right, a okay. cow outside so okay. you can see well the thing is what happens is people say oh it's an Angus cross right. it's Angus cross this and then all of a sudden you've got all of these Angus right. uh, in quotes but um, but yeah the same sort of thing with Hereford I think is becoming a bit of a, a trend um, but for me I like doing lots of native stuff we've got some longhorns coming next week um, we've got Dexter coming next week all these different kind of breeds they lend something different and, and as long as you know that farmer as long as you know what kind of age it's gone in at, what it looked like first, because there's so much to it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I'll call up someone and get a side of beef. You know, that's just not how this works. I'm, sorry, that is how it works for a lot of people. Right? <laughs> yeah. that just, that, say, yeah. That's exactly how it works for a lot of places. But the reason that it's different with us is because that's exactly what <coughs> we don't want to achieve. We don't want to not know what it was. We want to know everything about it. And also, I want to tell each customer. You know, most of my customers end up having a 15-minute conversation with me. Whether they like it or not, I don't know. But they can't stop me talking because at the end of the day, I feel like it's my duty to them to say, okay, look, I've got this from here. I've got this from here. What do you personally like? Most people don't even know. And that's nothing wrong with not knowing. But going to somewhere like what we're trying to do and actually have a conversation is trying to give them more than just like, you know, oh, I'm going to pick up a steak. And well, you can say, try this this time, next time I have that. And then, and then you know what they want. Yeah. Yeah. So the stuff we've got at the moment, we've got some exterior Frisians. We're going to have them in for a while, I think. We're, we're just definitely trying to promote them because they look fantastic. Um, on our own cattle, we've got a six-year-old cow going in, or sorry, been in. Um, she was retired because she was just barren, so she wasn't really fit to have another another calf. Uh, she was huge, so she's going to be, oh, well, I'd like to think she's going to look very, very good on the hook. Um, what else have we got? We've got a long haul, no, we've got a Dexter coming in next week, and then we're doing some work with Epping Forest as well. So they actually do some conservation grazing there with oh, longhorns. Yeah, there's so, quite a few. Have you seen them? But they could, they've caused some crashes in the time as well. They come across the road. Yeah, yeah. so there's big about old 200. Boys. Yeah, and they're big old things. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're looking to do some work with them because again, traceable. I know the farmer only grass. You know, that's exactly what we're trying to promote. You know, and and the fact that it's on our doorstep ten miles away is, is even better. It's so refreshing when you can't drive in, and I was like straight away, I was like, this is what it should be like: a lamb eating grass, a cow <laughs> chewing the cud. Not eating plastic pellets, yeah, rendered yeah. food, sawdust, other yeah. crap that this I say to people, you're eating everything they're eating. Well, yeah, you're eating everything they're eating. So you're eating a, a disease deficient, toxic animal. What do you think is going to happen to you? Mm. Uh, and also, most of them are not treated very nice. You see these clips of them being beaten and stuff. Mm. We've gone around there a minute ago, and like, the cows are coming to you, and like uh, they're actually coming to both of us, but you're like petting them, and, and like, yeah, basically, they, they, they felt like there was no. Way that they were feeling distressed around you, that you no. see, you know, these people got distressed in these cows, so they always adrenaline, so you're eating this dead, disease, no, it's not so it's dead, but you're eating this diseased, um, uh, malnourished, 
scared, frightened animal. Mm. I mean, it's not. I mean, people like vegans of this, if vegans listen to this, are probably switched off ages ago, but. <laughs> But in terms of people understand, like, when you're eating an animal, you're actually upgrading its consciousness. It's becoming you. The thing, like, vegans don't understand is that you should read the book The Secret Life of Plants. Like, plants are conscious, too. They can feel pain, too. They don't realize it's a mother of a king or sentient being. So, well, that sentient being is becoming you. You're upgrading its consciousness, and you're the, you can affect the world. Unfortunately, a cow can't. But yeah. when you're eating this, and you're giving it love, and you're treating it with love, and obviously, yeah, you, it goes to slaughter, but it's being loved, it's been treated the right way. It's a completely different kettle of fish to eating animals. You don't know where they're coming from. These cattle, these cattle, the cattle are. Uh, I mean, the cattle is just it's fed terrible things. They're in up to their knees in their own feces. Got, they they actually spray the beef and chicken with like ammonia afterwards instead of like true. Eighty percent of the coli goes when you feed a cow for a week. But instead of doing that, they spray ammonia. There's many things that they do, and it's just like you don't understand getting the quiet quality meat. It's. I'd rather you have less meat mm, and have higher quality. Yeah, I think the the beauty of what like you know I'm trying to achieve here is you know I'm very very fortunate, extremely lucky. Well, in my opinion, the luckiest person in the world. Right, I have the ability to actually have the farm and the butchery in one place, and I have the ability to tell someone about it, and I have the ability to talk to them, and, and you know really try and I don't know at least upgrade their own thought belief on what farming and butchery can be like. Um, but you know, I, I just want to make sure that we're kind of moving everything in the right way instead of the wrong way. We've been doing it for so long in what I would class a mediocre way, as in we've got some people doing it well, we've got some people doing it badly. Well, a lot of people doing it badly, probably. Um, but if we can hopefully just start turning the cob the right way, you know, and, and, and make an impact into people actually understanding what it should be like, then hopefully everything moves on, you know, in, in a completely different light and we kind of get a just a more of an understanding between the people, the farm, the animals, and what it's really like. You know, our animals out there are, are the happiest things in the world. Why would you want to be, you know, genuinely promoting it with your pounds the opposite way? Why would any person want to put their pounds with something that's done in the wrong way? It doesn't really make much sense, apart from the fact that it costs a lot less. Well, yeah, I mean, bottom line things talk. When you see these, like... When you go to the supermarket, I think one of the first ones I saw years ago is called Farmageddon, one of these documentaries. And they say, like, they said a picture of this milk or this butter, I think it was, and the cow on there looked like it was eating, chewing the cud, and they were like, I've been to this farm. Now these cows chew the cud. Like, if you come out here, you imagine a farm, you imagine a cow walking around and doing, that is what it is here, yeah? And I was like, that is, some people don't understand that, it's so rare. Like, you need to know where you're getting your stuff from. And, like, the marketing, people market stuff, mm. and they get away with murder because the marketing is really good and they don't understand that's not like well um don't know if i actually got a few videos before i put on my instagram of us outside of them and people like it's just mind-blowing that people don't actually understand that what's how bad it's got in terms of it's not i mean the things i've watched i wouldn't even call it farming <laughs> it's just uh, they use the industrial model on like nature yeah. and it just doesn't that's not the way it's meant to be done no definitely i, I think also everyone needs to start to move on with their own education, their own beliefs of their diet, what they should be eating. And, and, and back in the day, really before the war, a butchery was, was, a, was a prime thing in, in a town and a village because it's where everyone had got their meat. And everyone got their meat and then they all went home and then they all cooked their meals and they all spent time together and they all had a good time and they all loved each other and, you know, blah, blah. And then we got the rations and the war and, and we had to feed thousands of people to go to war and, and, and you know, it's kind of moved on a lot since then. But um, 
this education into thinking or at least understanding the, the, like the pillars of your nutrition as in you know saturated fat is not evil <laughs> it's not going to kill you it's essential you know is that yeah exactly it's what lines every cell in our body you know like it, it's what our brain is <laughs> so when we start thinking that way and go okay well that means that all this red meat that we've been told is bad is actually back on the table okay well then let's go and find really good sources of that um there's so much to it and there's so much behind why we're in where we are in, you know, without going into loads of detail on every single part of it. Like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, conspiracy fact, as you said before. But like, that's the truth, you know, there's there's so much more money in other areas that make more money for someone um, that get promoted uh, grain as being one of the, the biggest things, not just for feed for cattle, but as in feed for the nation. Toxic grain. Yeah. But um, what else do you want to cover apart from the, uh, <laughs> the the conspiracy facts? No, no. I just think it's I think it's just important. People, as you say, getting people knowledge, people out there, I think it's huge. And as you said, that like we've almost lost. Yeah, we've lost that thing of people coming. Like, that. I mean, one thing technology is great for Instagram is great for a lot of things, but also it's bad in certain ways. I mean, in terms of people it's meant to be social media but in a way it's anti-social media people are staying in they're not going out and meeting people and like the butchery mm-hmm. is one of the places they can go um, and I think like just getting people to understand I mean a lot of people I mean everything's meant to say what's the quote um, everyone thinks we're so great because everything's quicker and easier than before but yet we're fatter and sicker than ever yeah. and so it's like getting to understand where your food comes from or like what's in that food and having a passion about it I think it's huge but there's a few I mean it's, but with, with like I mean with livestock with farming there's a there's a few things that people don't really understand like for example I want to get into Wagyu beef and I also want to get into the, what you said before that the, the hay and the, and the silage before, but in your opinion, because people say you hear like the big corporations out there or the government say we need GMO crops because mm. we need to feed the world or organic farming isn't sustainable. <laughs> Nonsense. I mean, I know my answer. I mean, I mean, right. So, so even if we if we took organic farming as being the be all and end all, which let's just cover it quickly. If you're in a supermarket, you should be buying organic. If yeah. you have if you have the ability to find the local place, then do that. Yeah. But for your food and veg and whatever, organic is your standard. You know, let's, let's let's just cover that because there, there is no comparison between organic and pesticide sprayed apples. Like, you know, there's, <laughs> no, there's no Sorry, there's such a difference. They're not the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, what were you saying? About so it's sustainable. But, but but the thing is, like, what we're doing is is definitely sustainable. It, it's actually regenerative. So they say that the, the carbon is actually it's the carbon negative. It's not even carbon neutral. It's actually carbon negative. So we're actually enabling more fossil fuels to be to be burnt, so we can emit more carbon. Um, reason being is that if you've got animals that are given enough space, um, given enough time to grow, allowed to actually turn over the land, um, then their actually manure is going towards this this regenerative agriculture. The, the reason it's been given a bad name beforehand, and it's not organic, it's more the, the standard way of farming, is that if you do feed animals something they're not designed for and feed them lots of it and keep them indoors, and then they do go to the toilet more than they're supposed to with a toxic waste, then of course you're going to have an atmosphere that's not conducive to us all living longer. Is that period? You're, there's not, no, there's, you're not feeding the animal what it's meant to be. Yeah, right? I mean, there's there's not really much else to say. That yeah. that's obviously not going to work. Cowspiracy, right? But, yeah, but 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 obviously, if if you're farming in a way that is, as you've been outside and seen, there is so much land per animal. You know, we're farming like basically to about one and a half to two acres per cow. 
I mean, if what they were saying was true, I wouldn't be able to breathe out there, right? Because of the CO2. Yeah, it, it was like it absolutely beautiful out there. Yeah, and, and, and at the end of the day, you're, you're comparing that kind of like model with someone who's got a barn that's an acre and they've got 100 cattle in there. Mm. And they've and just got a that's, that's what they got, that, yeah. And, and, but that's the difference. So K-flow, yeah. And I understand what they're saying, you know, oh, it's not sustainable because we wouldn't be able to feed everyone. Well, actually, I don't think that's true because if everyone ate properly and we didn't just eat fillet steaks or we didn't just eat ribeyes, you know, we actually went... Oh, I'm going to eat offal off of an organic cow. Well, we're we're the biggest meat. distributor of offal in the world, I think. We're the biggest um, exporter of it in the world. People don't people don't understand that offal is phenomenal for you. Like, yeah. uh, it's just the thing that the animal goes for first. All the, all the tribes that eat liver before they eat anything else. Like, Definitely. liver doesn't actually process toxins. It it allows the body to manipulate toxins so the body can excrete them properly. So people say, I don't want to eat this. It's like don't understand and, and heart and a lot of other, other places you go to like Rhodesia Rico or these other places but you have the chicken hearts and yeah, things yeah, like that yeah. and they're really really important and all so, the giblets like, yeah and, giblets and all of the offal is, is great and, and I mean in our shop we won't ever take offal from anyone but our own cattle and the reason being is that in in the slaughterhouse unless you get it from an organic place like all of the offal goes into a pot because the meat inspector has to look at it so unless you do buy organic offal or certified by the person you're buying from, so someone like us who has a farm who goes there and is actually there when the slaughter takes place and then collects all of it, then you don't know where that's from. You'll never know what animal it's from. You've got no chance of knowing what, what, like what farm it was on or what life it had. So with offal, for us, we can't chance buying in offal. We, like, and I won't ever do it because I don't want to end up eating something that has gone through one of those areas by accident. Yeah. So it's a lottery at that point. Yeah. So you can do it because you have to then source it from particular places. Yeah. Then, and in my opinion, I'm not saying organic is the be all and end all, but in offal, commercially, it pretty much is. Yeah, commercially. Because at least yeah. you can guarantee that it's had some standard behind it. Um, but, but yeah. I don't think we need to eat as much as we are eating. I think we need to be clever with our choices. This is this is from someone who makes the money selling food. Yeah, I, and I always tell people like you don't need to buy loads of stuff. You need to eat cleverly, and you need to eat till you're full, and then stop, and then feel hungry and eat again. Maybe four, five, six, seven, eight hours later, but don't be conditioned to believing. Oh, we need to eat six small meals a day. You know, it's just ludicrous, and also it's probably just making money for someone else somewhere. So you know, it's yeah, instead of actually giving yeah. you sustenance. You know, just constantly feeding would never have been what we did. How could any person have survived the last 10,000 years before we became educated and started moving on in the world by eating, sitting down? Like, imagine a caveman sitting there going, oh, I'm going to have my meals. Like, I need to have my oats, my pros. Yeah. Like, what, what caveman did that? Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, so anyway, anyways, but we, we get a little bit off topic. But um, oh, It's all part of the same, mate. It's just, I think it all leads into everything. Like, it is, it's like, it's, I mean, it's off topic. I think it, this is conversation that goes so many ways because people need to understand everything when it comes to sort of health and eating and food and the way it's put, it's all part of it, you know. Also, the higher quality of your food, the longer you're going to feel um, satiated. Yeah, definitely. Like, definitely. So, it's, I mean, this is a big carnival movement right now. I don't care if you cure yourself of being vegan, I don't care if you cure yourself just eating meat, but you can't argue the fact that people are getting rid of their anxiety, the, the depression, their autoimmune conditions mm. from eating beef, I mean, and just, and just, and just meat, whatever. Um, obviously, it's cutting out a lot of other things, but... I mean, and, and they say they have to eat twice a day or three, that's but, it because they get a lot of satiating food. Yeah, but, but again, it's quality, isn't it? You know, like, and, and I, I hold my hands up, you know, sort of three years ago, I was a competitive bodybuilder eating tons of 
whole grains, like, you know, eating my rice, you know, and, and I looked great, but felt like crap, you know, and then I found the Bulletproof diet and I found Bulletproof coffees and I found more keto stuff and I just started playing around with it and becoming comfortable with it. And all of a sudden my, just everything went up. Like, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to go and train because I didn't feel mentally like, can I actually, I want to train. I want to be healthy. But I don't need to look like that. I don't need to be on stage. Like, I need to just have a good, what's going to give me like, you know, 120 plus years of life instead of like, what's going to kill me at 60, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that movement feed is kind of a, I guess, another reason why I got into what I'm doing because I was able to, I am in a huge position to be able to promote a ketogenic lifestyle or at least a ketogenic thought process. Yeah, you know, high quality. I mean, I'd say like, just do things, do things that work for you until they don't and then have the open-mindedness to change. Like, I completely agree. And yeah. like, but you were saying there, like the longevity thing, as we were talking about before, like obviously I've just today been with a movement coach and I said, you need to start doing some things like that. You know, it's like you're coming from a place, you know, you're, you're a butcher, you do these things, you're coming from a place of holistic health, you look at the whole body, you're into the things that I'm into, you're listening to podcasts, you're not sitting here being like, you're, you're not like, Doing the farm, going down, having ten beers a night. Like, you know, what I mean, you're into yeah. it, like, and so you're into this. So you said before, oh, you've got this wrong. I need to start working on this and that. Yeah. And that's like huge because it's, it's just, you're coming from a place of well, yeah, I want to know where my food comes from because I want to eat well, but I want to have longevity and I want to live a healthy life. Yeah, I, I think also a lot of people think that you know just because oh, someone's a butcher, it means they're just oh, they can't really do much. They're just a butcher, like they deal with meat. It's actually like that's that's completely wrong. You know, actually. That's one of, in my opinion, one of the most important areas to be focused on is the quality of what you're eating. And if you are going to eat meat, you know, for me, this was like win, 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 win. You know, I was like, well, I can be involved in meat. You need, you got a quality butcher. You don't need a doctor. No, I completely agree. You know, the best medicine you're going to get is something that you get good food from. You know, and um, anyway, so I, I just think it's for me, it was an important thing to to get involved into because you can also go down so many routes. You know, I wanted to when I was younger, I wanted to kind of help kids understand. Like actually, they don't need to be sick. They need to just focus on eating properly, and then and actually watch their health improve. And one of those ways of doing that is by seeing mums and dads and encouraging them to eat more stuff. And and as I said to so many people beforehand, you know, who come to me about, oh, I'm not sure if I can afford it. I'm like, I would rather take a hit myself and give you something, and, and not make as much money on it, and know that you and your family are going to go home and eat well from me. And also, I can give you off carts and all this kind of stuff, right? But I'd much rather do that than for knowing that you're going to go down and afford tons of meat but get no nourishment from it. Now, why are we overfed and undernourished? Well, because someone's making money out of it somewhere, you know, and it's not you. It's not you as the consumer. You're buying it. You know, you're getting suckered into this idea that you still need to buy loads of stuff to have one meal. Actually, you don't. You know, if you, I tell you what, I'll give you a, a task. Go and try and fill yourself up on liver. Yeah. 120, 150 grams. You try and eat more. Yeah. Just try it. You, you can't do it. It's yeah. impossible, right? So the bioavailability of what's inside your food is, is really key. And, and I think over the years, it's just been lost because of, well, the soil's got no nutrition in it. Then the animals haven't got nutrition in it. Then they're inside. Then they get fed whatever they get fed. And then all of a sudden, it just feeds this kind of like sick nation of people eating processed crappy foods. Well, but yeah. I don't think it's that dim anymore. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think no, no yeah. I mean, we're, we are moving on. And hopefully there's lots of people out there like me doing the same sort of thing. You know, I, I think it would be great if there were more people doing what we're doing. Um, it's not easy. You know, as I said to you before today, like I started with, with literally with nothing really. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's moved on a lot.
Sorry, the table. Do you know oh, that? Sorry. It's moved on long from, long, a long way from there because um, I guess I just want to make it something big. I want to make it something that's kind of just more than just like, you know, you know your butchery shop. But we'll see where it education, goes. education, yeah? So if talking about that, education, people out there, so first of all, Wagyu beef. Yeah. What what is Wagyu? It's got it's got a lot of different. Um, what people said well, it's just that these these cat, the cattle are fed beer, they're massaged and etc. And for for a health, <laughs> sorry, as a health coach, I don't think using like animal beer is going to be great. But no. what what is that a misconception? Is what is Wagyu? Yeah, beef? totally. So 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 Wagyu is a breed. Yeah. Of cattle, um, they're originally from Japan, they're, and Kobe beef is from place Kobe, and that has got specific requirements on how they. Basically, treat that. So, like champagne, it can't Same, be from Kobe. Exactly, unless it's, unless it's from Kobe. Um, Wagyu beef can be can be reared anywhere in the world. It doesn't do very well outside. The particular breed has obviously gone through a lot of engineering, so to speak. It doesn't do well, kind of on grass outside at all times. So, what is it? In, why, why is that? What has it been engineered for? It's been engineered for, for taste, for taste, for marbling, for, for all of these kind of like characteristics out of a great piece of beef. But the actual use of the cow outside is, is, is kind of non-existent it's just not very good they can be done um, in the UK a lot of places they cross Wagyu with something so look at like a Wagyu cross Angus or a Sussex Wagyu and we use a farm in, in uh, Brighton called Trenchmore um, they do a Sussex cross Wagyu phenomenal tasting beef Some probably some of the best I've ever had um, we have that in quite regularly now but again Wagyu is just the breed like it's just one breed from Japan um, and it, it's not got any connotation to being fed or, or, or treated anything. Those th- those stories can come out from places doing that. Again, the massaging story is, is is actually a true fact because what happens is that if they're inside and they're eating, they won't move, and if they don't move, <laughs> they won't move their muscles. Right. So I don't I don't know whether it's massaging or giving a nudge or, or what it is, but there is some actual truth to that because if an animal's inside and it's getting fat, and it won't move. It does actually need some stimulating of its of its legs, or you know, just to actually move about, um, which will then uh, encourage it to eat and grow, and, and you know, the cycle goes on. But um, for for me personally, like you know, we do some more stuff than just like the standard British UK, you know, as we do with the Galician stuff. The Wagyu is something that we do for like you know a few customers, and we have it in not all the time, you know. But it, it's just different areas of, of the beef world. You know, there's so much to it. Um, and, and quality comes from so many different places. You know, it's not just one thing, and that's why I don't I don't agree with farmers saying, "Oh, their breed is the best." It may be great, and, and there's tons of people out there with great breeds, but there's still tons of people out there with great breeds. It's not just one thing, yeah, and, yeah. and there's different flavors in every in everything. Um, the stuff down in um, in Trenchmore is really superb. I would definitely say look them up um, if you're interested in it. Uh, we do it. There's a few other places. There's a, there's quite a few places in London that do it now. But it's just a, a next level kind of piece of beef. It's not cheap, and none of this stuff is. But it's an experience. Are they are they fed grass? So their diet is uh, silage. Um, they're they're outside, and then in the winter they've got clay. So they don't really do okay. yeah. So they don't do very well outside at all. Clay is extremely dangerous for cattle because when it gets wet, it's very slippery, and then all of a sudden, like you know, one fallen. Oh, yeah, can yeah, be yeah. horrendous. So they, I've been to their farm. Fantastic, really, really good way of uh, keeping their animals. So they, so they, so they, so they, so they're out. So they're in clay. So what do they eat? Do you have any year round? 
So they're out on grass. Yeah. Then they feed them silage. So silage, and silage, and the other one was it haylage or silage? Yeah, I'll get into that in a minute. So, but they they feed them silage uh, that they make from themselves, and then they also feed them um, apple pomace, which right. is from a byproduct of their own cider production. Okay. And they have a brewery down the road, which they get some grains from as well. So they feed a small amount of grain within their silage. Um, and I spoke to the guy about it, and I said, like, what? Why do you? believe like you need to and he said that the combination between them all the, the, the grains make up a very small amount of it it's not like they're feeding them grain out of the back of a lorry it's yeah. a particular thing they do um and for me it was a down the road kind of thing it's not like they're buying it in from far away so in my opinion did it add to the quality of the beef probably is it something that i would promote to other farmers no but on one case from a farmer that i know and trust that i've seen doing things ethically right I think it's okay. And the reason I think it's okay is it's not saying to loads of farmers, let's just sort of get animals inside of him grain. This is like, we've got a small amount of something in there, which we think is helping them. And he was telling me to talk about the minerals in it. I can't go into detail on them because I'm not clued up on them, but he was saying that the minerals in there were helping the silage actually go into their gut and then allowing it to come through. And he's done a lot of research into it. I trust him doing what he's doing. Um, and so that's why it kind of makes its cut into here. Okay. Um, what were you saying about oh, the silage and haylage? So, yeah, so, so they're fed silage. And brown silage, so there's hay, haylage, and silage. Yep. And what the difference is, and why would you use one or the other? So, hay is the kind of most basic form. All of this comes from grass, not from anything else. So, it is, it is grass, it's dry it's grass. All, it's all grass, yeah, yeah. It's basically dry grass, yeah. Uh, silage can have like what they call whole crop in it, um, and that's just where you, you're taking the crop before it becomes a crop. So, it's still a grass, so to speak. Um, the benefits, obviously, you need to feed your cattle something in the winter when they can't get access to anything. Um, hay is the most basic kind of form because it's very, it is totally dry. Um, it's got the least amount of nutrition in it. It's really, for me personally, I would say it's like your your last resort, really. In, um, in dry bread. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, haylage uh, is generally for horses. Um, it's a, a very high quality product. It's very expensive compared to hay. Um, it has a lot more nutrition in it. So when they bale haylage, they bale it in a wrap uh, and then it will ferment. Um, and the same sort of thing with silage, although silage will ferment for a longer period and then have a more, like a larger potency. So they would talk about the crude protein element of it. There'll be more crude protein in that than there will in anything else. The right. problem is that silage is kind of hard on the cows to actually eat sometimes oh, really? in regards to if they're not used to it it will shoot straight out oh know? really yeah so they have to build up to it so, so it's a bit like fermented foods <laughs> yeah exactly so you, you need to again as much as I'd love to be like yeah it's really cool just go and buy some acres get some cows feed them silage and then you have some great looking beef like you do need to think about what you're feeding them you need to make sure that the silage you've got if you're going to feed silage has got something rough in there that's going to kind of slow it down um, and also up the crude protein as it as they get accustomed to it um Again, there's so much technical stuff to it. You know, it could go on forever talking yeah. about it, but um, that's not really my, my forte. It's no, no, it's up. just interesting because people like people talk about grass fedding and grass finished. Like, how, how how long do you have to? How long does the cow have to eat grass at the end for it to be classified grass finished? Anything that just eats grass is grass finished. Uh, so I mean, if it eats silage into the if it eats silage until the day it dies, then it's it's grass finished. But say 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 they've been eating corn, like corn, uh, yeah. Yeah, maize, grain, yeah, yeah, grain. Um, but then they, they, how long would it need to eat grass for it to say, oh, we finished it on grass? For me personally, um, legally, 
There's no legal. There's, really? there is no legally. So it could be one day. Yeah, there's no legal thing around that area. And, oh. and, and I think in the UK, if you legally, if you term grass fed, I think it's got to be like thirty percent grass fed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there's a big thing about this, and and that's why like even when you see grass fed, it doesn't it won't necessarily mean it's a hundred percent grass fed. If it's a hundred percent grass fed, it's to that person's word. There's nothing binding them making it sure that it is. Right, Apart okay. from if you are belonging to like pasture for life. So I would definitely say, you know, and, and in the shop, we have this thing where we've got like pasture for life certified stuff and we've got grass-fed stuff. Now the grass-fed stuff is grass-fed to someone's word. It's not pasture for life. So if someone wants stuff, something that is 100% grass and they don't want to beat around the bush and they don't care about quality or whatever, they just want a grass-fed, pasture for life is the way to go. And again, it's, you know, if, if there's someone near you that does pasture for life farming, Go for them. Don't come to me. You know, like you should be supporting the person down the road. Are there many of them? Um, I think, I think there's a bit, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think there's about 200, oh, 200 farms. Too bad, yeah. Maybe I'm massively wrong. It could be a hundred farms. One of the two. Um, if you go on pastoreflife.org or .co.uk or something like that, you'll be able to find them. As I said, like as much as I would love you all to come and like just buy from me because yeah, Tom's a great guy and like really cares about what he does. There's a 10 times better thing than that. And that's going from like, your local person because you're then giving back to them who's in your vicinity, which yeah. you then may have some kind of connection with. And, and that's better than having it even through my website, you know, yeah. as much as I want to generate sales. <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's what we should all be doing. You know, we should all be focusing on trying to source locally. Well, you can tell, I mean, you can tell like, it's where you come from. It's the same as we talked about before, you know, I, I won't promote anything. No, I mean, that's your name on it. And that's uh, why I got you on here because you trust and you're passionate about it and you're not selling rubbish and you said there that you'd rather support local farms because at the end of the day you know you need other local farms around to, to be doing the same thing because it's like you get connections and it's how you build build up otherwise <coughs> you get through it on your own you, you, you'd be done and quite yeah, simple yeah. Yeah, you'd be out you'd be, it wouldn't be sustainable so yeah go out there have a look on um, pasture pasture for life and uh and find people um, out there, guys and girls, because I'm sure there will be. Um, I mean, we're, we're just outside London, and we've got I've got someone here. So if you're in if up north or anywhere like, I mean, there's lots of farmland all over. It's there's amazing places. Yeah, you, you go on a plane, you take off on the plane. It's amazing how many greenfields there are actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can probably find them. So pastureforlife.org. I can't remember if it's .org or .co.uk. Yeah, right. But our, our farm's on there. There's tons of other farms on there. Again, I can't remember the exact number of how many there are. Yeah. But is that but, for Word or is that an actual thing they come around and make sure it's all... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, have, they do come around. Yeah, yeah. And if they want to, they can actually inspect, like, your bank account details and stuff just to actually check that, like, if, you know, obviously they want to see if you're buying anything in. So if you're right. buying in... We, we can buy in Hayes because we haven't got enough. So that's fine. But if you're buying in, I don't know, Brewer's Grains and you've said that you're not, then then you can get swiped off the list, you know, and they do, they come around and they give you an assessment and they come back and do, I can't remember if it's yearly or, or bi-yearly, like, you know, assessment of what you're doing and stuff. So it's a real thing, you know, and it's, it's got people behind it. And the thing is, most of these people, they don't, they don't actually want to cheat. They're actually doing it because they believe in it. And a lot of the people have gone into farming as a secondary thing. And again, that's one, you know, I said earlier about, you can't, you know, become uh, kind of important in an industry without being outside of it to start with. Most of the people I would say in the pasture of life community have come from outside of it and it was their secondary thing or something they felt passionate about. And um, the reason I think that's powerful is that you will go to the end of the world to do something if you feel passionate about it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you get paid, you just want to do it. You want to do it right. Yeah. You know, and the same for me. Like I, if I, if I was just breaking even every year and I was happy, I'd just go out there constantly just 
cutting meat up and, and doing what I'm doing because I just love seeing those great carcasses coming through and giving it to people and people going oh my god look, look at that it looks amazing you know that for me is is, is so so great um, and the same thing with this I think a lot of people got into it as a, as a thing that they want to achieve and something they're trying to change and I think together it, it, it will change the market eventually um, whether pasture life will be the be all and end all I'm, I'm not so sure I, I, I don't know um, but that's definitely a step in the right direction 100%. I think like all of these things organic and free range when the first person came out of it it was a step in the right direction right there were tons of people already doing that kind of stuff like you know out there there's so many places out there that are free range and basically organic and probably part of life they're just not registered mm. and that's that's why i say go and support locally because you may have someone literally down the road from you that does all this kind of stuff and feeds a butchery or feeds some kind of place where you can actually buy that budget from and they are completely Comply with all these things, but just can't bother to go and get but there. People you know, also, their they just go you know, to the supermarket, don't they? And it's like you need to get out of that habit. I was in that habit. Yeah, you know, I, I know. I, I, so I was mate, in that habit. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, it is easy. And and but the thing is also when when you do put your pounds with a small business, you're actually supporting someone trying to do something properly because nine times out of ten, small businesses aren't there for the cash. They're there to do something well, and they they believe in what they're doing. Whereas if you think about going into the supermarket as everything is trying to be sold to you. It's, it's a completely different well, they've way got of things, it, you know? yeah, things at certain places on the shelves to get your attention. Like people will pay a premium to be at eye level rather than like, yeah. and it's like it's all set up. It's like you're, it's like a casino. <laughs> it's all set up to get your money. It actually is in the ways that they do it. And so, hundred percent, you're dealing with small businesses that are producing a high quality product. It's a it's a different. It's a game changer. So, um, what's next? What's next for you? Where, where are we going with this? Um, the next thing is to, is to finish the shop. <laughs> yeah. So that, that should be finished by the end of the month. So um, that's next. The next thing will be then a new website just for the butchery alone. Um, I want to get a butchery website so that we can really promote what we're really doing. Um, the website we've got at the moment, Cox Green Farm, UK, brilliant. Say it slower. Cox the... Cox Tire Green Farm dot co UK. Cox Tire. So it's C-O-X. C- yeah. T-I-E. I know it's really hard to, to work out. No, no, it's just Cox Tire, but it's Cox Tire, I suppose. C-O-X-T-I-E. But um, that's the uh, that's kind of a dual purpose thing that I, I sort of started for my parents to have a basically something they could tell people about, and, and then we sort of thought, well, why don't we put the shop on there? But the, the shop is the butchery, and, and the butchery should have its own thing, really. Um, not not because it's not good where it is, but it, it should promote itself in its own way. Um, so that's really next. Um, hopefully, we'll do that over the summer. We've obviously got the summer season coming along. That's going to be busy. Um, staff staff is one of the, the most important things that. I can't stress enough how hard it is to get good staff and how hard it is to keep good staff. Everyone's ill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but again, on touching on that subject, like, you know, because we have a shop where we have people interacting with other people, um, my staff have to actually be the right kind of person that actually believes in it. And there's, I, there's nothing wrong with someone not believing in it. Just don't come and work for me, you know, because I can't afford to have you not sell the products the way I want to, which is, five, ten times a day, you may actually have a 15, 20 minute conversation with someone, selling them something by just telling them about it. You know, I never sell someone saying, oh, I've got this deal, blah, blah. It's like, well, actually this was from here and this is why we do this and this is dry age and blah, blah, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, that's more important than, than anything else. Yeah, so stuff, yeah. um, what else is next? Probably start preparing for this Christmas soon. <laughs> you know, like Christmas last year was, was a beast. Um, obviously it was my first Christmas ever in the butchery business and uh, it's, it's an extremely uh, busy period um, but it, it's, it's rewarding and uh, it, it's one of those things that um, I had this goal that in five years time 
we would be able to only satisfy our own our loyal customers throughout the year and not disrespecting anyone that buys from a butcher shop at Christmas but I would love to be able to have a club of people that I just said you know what you guys mean everything to me and you you pay me well enough throughout the year and I believe I'm going to just supply you I mean I don't know how feasible that is because Christmas <laughs> is massive right but it'd be lovely to be like make them people feel special for supporting you, you know? oh, yeah. um, and I don't know whether we can do it or not but we'll try and see what happens but uh but yeah, that's it really. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Um been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh, I'm sure that I'll keep on supporting you. I'll get you back on when things come down. And, and um yeah. And if I'll, anyone ever wants to come over and they're they're close by or, or you know just find my contact information on, on the website. So um, you got so so you got cox greenfarm.com, you've got co.uk and you've got your insta which is coxtie Cooks the Green Farm in one word. Yeah. And then the other Insta is Thomas.joseph.butchery. Uh, that's the other one for me. But um, as I was saying, you know, like I, I try to fit in these little visits with anyone that's interested because at the end of the day, if I can, if I can show someone, someone, you know, that's actually interested, then they're going to love it, you know, and, and I would love that as well. If I, if I was kind of just a consumer, just getting that kind of information and seeing it firsthand is, is really important well, it's huge building a relationship no one gets to see their farm and you're not even allowed on most of these farms properly because well, they don't want because they they don't safety want it. <laughs> yeah, but they don't want to see you to see they don't, yeah. a lot of them don't want to, if you see some, I, mean, I mean some of the video footage that's been shot yeah, you don't they don't want you in these farms because no. they're, they're they're not the way but yeah health and, health and safety but yeah, it's I mean, okay. We'll just sign a disclaimer that means you know if anything happens to you at all, it's not our fault, including death. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's been absolutely pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you very much. So, guys and girls, that was Thomas Joseph of Coxty Green Farm and Thomas Joseph Butchery. You can actually find him uh, at www.coxtygreenfarm.co.uk and his his butcher uh, his butchery is on there if you click on the the butcher site um, butcher section of the thing it'll come up and you'll see all the fantastic produce that they've got I know it's really nice getting getting to go out there and see the animals and and, and look at the farm and see how everything's done meet the animals you know and then talk to the farmer behind what's going on with his with his produce and you know, open door policy, not afraid to show you what's going on. You're not going to get that in lots of lots of farms. You know, they don't want you to see what's going on. Um, and just to talk about everything, uh, farming and, and health, and really refreshing to see someone that young into the into it. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's just great to have that on my doorstep. And you know, it's it's he has got stuff online, so he'd be able to to purchase it wherever you are. But as he said. You know, he wants you to go out there and support your local farmers so you can keep on producing this high quality food and get it out to everyone. You know, he'd rather you support your local farm. So go out there and have a look. Look for it. Pasture for Life Farms. Um, put that in Google and have a look. And um, yeah, I can guarantee he'll be back on the show and we'll be talking about how how, how he's moving his farm forward and, and what he's doing in the future. And um, I'm actually looking forward to tasting his turkeys at Christmas. Um, I'll definitely be getting one of those. But yeah, phenomenal. So www.coxtygreenfarm.co.uk if you want to look into them and look into Thomas and uh, yeah it's um, it's uh, really refreshing to see someone doing what they're doing and obviously all the other farmers out there doing the same thing um, lots of love and respect to you so it's awesome uh, as always guys and girls if you're heading over to www.reviveyourself.co we've got all our articles on there as well as our free four day mini course and our shop where you can buy 
high quality health supplements that are going to help you to boost your immune system and just flood your body with concentrated nutrients as well as detoxify the body and cleanse your system. Um, we've, we've got our uh, Aries Tech EMF blocking devices there. We've got our whole house filtration systems from Aquatea, which are, which are phenomenal. And as I said before, if you head on over to blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and you put in the code REVIVE, you get 10% off your blue light blocking glasses, the red and the, and the white or whatever you want, maybe the yellow if you're into that, have a look around their site. And if you head on over to www.essentialoilwizardry.com, um, you put in the code REVIVE in small letters this time, you're going to get 10% off of your essential oil purchase purchases from dr nick berry and in my opinion that is the best essential oils um well the best essential oils in the world so yeah i'd recommend you go over there otherwise guys and girls I said before the book's coming out soon i'll keep you informed about that just crossing some t's and dotting some i's or dotting some i's crossing some t's um if i get it around the right way um and yeah lots more coming out next week on the show we've got warren williams talking all about the hero's journey and he's also got a new podcast out of emil heskey the uh former Leicester, Liverpool and England centre forward. So it'd be interesting. I'll be trying to get Emil on the show too, actually talk about his journey um, because he's actually worked with Warren for years and come back from a debilitating injury. I think it was Achilles injury for that. You couldn't get um, sorted out anywhere else. So that'd be interesting. But otherwise guys and girls, as always stay happy, stay healthy and I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 